0: All right, the Blue Jays have today the off. They'll open a two-game series again. You're looking at me like, like I, I said something stupid during the break, which I did. They'll open a two-game series against the St. That's a Cardinals. first. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: you asked about the music. Solid music. No, I was just, I, I was kind of, I Every mean, now and then I feel, I, I wonder if maybe we need to change that. But I, I kind of like, this. I, I like the surf Every vibe. once in a while. I like the surf vibe. i probably need to worry about other stuff, I would think. Uh, we're giving you the chance to win Blue Jays tickets all season long here on Blair and Barker, whether you listen on the radio or on our podcast. All you have to do is text the correct answer to our daily baseball trivia question. Is a good one? No. And text it to five ninety five ninety. Friday we asked you which AL MVP winning catcher from Puerto Rico whose first name is Ivan did the Tigers sign in February 2004. Uh. The answer was Ivan, Ivan 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 Pudge Rodriguez, which was the easiest trivia question of all time, at least until today's. Today's question is to win tickets to see the Jays and Tigers down at the Rogers Center on July 31st. Who was the Tigers World Series MVP in the 1984 World Series win over the San Diego Padres? Again, who was the Tigers World Series MVP in their victory over the Padres in 1984? Text the answer to 59590 for your shot to win. See rules at sportsnet.ca slash 590. Would you have gotten that? Absolutely. Yeah. That's what I thought. But anyhow, there you go. uh was our tickets to see the Jays and Tigers on July 31st. Is that one of those that's one of those godforsaken noon starts, isn't it? The 21st? Is that a Sunday game? Cuz we got another one of those those What what day is it? July 31st? Yeah, we got one of those Look at the calendar. 1205. You're exactly yeah, right. What's well, in small print there, bud? so it's one of those 1205 is just a stupid time to start a baseball game. It's just Man. dense.
1: Well, they're coming. So the, the, you, you have to look at the schedule.
0: Well, no, this, but this the, is because a three o seven
1: game on Saturday, and then you have a twelve you have a twelve o you know, five game the next day. This is that. Wham. This is that.
0: Uh, well, you get seven hours of sleep instead of eight hours of sleep. Wham. Peacock BS with the ah, come on, twelve o five start. 12-5 against the Detroit Tigers. Jesus,
1: Anyhow. that's a get off my lawn comment.
0: I guess it is. I guess it is. Ryan Dempster, host of Off the Mound, will join us at eleven thirty. He might have some thoughts on the franchise formerly known as the Boston Red Sox. <laughs> he might have some thoughts on what happened this weekend. <laughs> a reminder, as always, if you like the show, subscribe to Blair and Barker wherever you How get can your you favorite like podcast. Please rate. And review the show. Dan Schulman is going to join us in a few minutes. I had something to ask you, and I and I, I oh, I know what I was going to say. I know what I was going to say. So our friend Mark Feinsand, uh, who does uh, is is MLB.com's executive editor, which means basically he spends a lot of time chatting with general managers. Mm-hmm. He polled 17 front office executives about their thoughts on the Juan Soto situation, okay? And asked them, Mm -hmm. which three teams do you view as the favorites to trade for Juan Soto? The Padres were listed by eight of the 17. The Dodgers by seven. The Cardinals, the Mariners, the Mets, the Rays, the Yankees by three, my sleeper, the Giants by two, the Jays, the Brewers, the Cubs, the Rangers, and the Red Sox, um, for me, all the, got one.
1: For me, the Dodgers don't need him. The Dodgers need pitching. They,
0: they got they got enough lineup. For the Dodgers Freeman, do, but the Dodgers they, they do gotta, like to they they the collect, collect superstars. And you know what? They're getting, I mean, I hate to say this, Justin Turner, like, they're Nah, they're up, they, they They're, they're showing a little
1: L- bit of a Luis age. Castillo go to the Dodgers. That, that's where he's going. Yeah, I'm I'm That'd be my I guess. am I am I am kind You're of Frankie that. Ma- they're getting Frankie Montas or, or him.
0: And they they've got a decision to make, of course, about Trey Turner. I, I'd like i like Trey Turner, man. They got a decision to make about Trey Turner. The Cardinals, everybody's picks the Cardinals because they've got a deep farm system and they do they do collect well the does the, the, the Cardinals the, having do him good players.
1: take the Cardinals over
0: the top? Like all of a
1: sudden if they if if they get hmm. Juan Soto, are they are they better than the Dodgers or the Padres or Milwaukee who's in their division? Yeah, I don't I mean, I, does that take them way over the tie. Here's a, here's the Maybe. thing. Maybe
0: the Mariners, the Mets the Rays are goofy, and they certainly got the minor league system to do it. The Yankees Seattle would make sense because they haven't been in the
1: playoffs play. in so long. I'll tell you I'll tell you this right Boto now. Soto makes <clears throat> moves all the time. There are Three
0: big players coming out in the market either in the trade deadline or after. While well, Soto and Aaron Judge are far and far and away the best, Xander Bogarts will probably be out there. I'm gonna mm-hmm. make I'm gonna make a call right now. The San Francisco Giants mm. are gonna end up with one of those three. I wouldn't be surprised if the Giants don't end up with one. Well, you're thinking, Soto well, you're, of you're thinking
1: with your heart, not your brain.
0: I don't know, man. The you Giants. Really, the, here, that, that's but, like
1: the Blue Jays. That's like the Blue Jays here. talking about Juan Soto. That, that would make sense because they're already a playoff team. It's like the,
0: it's like the Cardinals. Cardinals aren't really but, a playoff team yet. But here's the thing. The Giants The, the Giants are old. They really need – they need an impact player. They've been a – you know, some of their – whatever it is. Uh, some, some total is better than the – whatever. The sum of the team is better than the total of the parts. Whatever the hell it is. Anyhow, they've been – They've been that team for a while. The Cardinals in third
1: wild card spot.
0: They need, they need to get one of those guys. The Giants need to get one of those big guys. And I think, I think the or they might it.
1: be they're like the Red Sox. Take a step back. Not thank with your heart.
0: Thank with your brain. But I'm saying and you don't, say don't have to, bra- getting you don't, that. You don't have to well, do this. It I'm not saying at the trade deadline. I'm saying, I'm saying the trade deadline plus the off season. In other words, going into next year, the Giants are going to have one of those guys. Well, Soto may be gone I guarantee you. Guarantee the so Giants the love one those ready. guys. If, he, if they wait to the offseason. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying the Giants. There's uh, – part of me thinks that the Nationals aren't going to move them, and this is just a way of really, really, really ginning up the market. Um, Why wouldn't you move them? You know, we shall see. I mean, the only the
1: only team that makes sense about uh, re-signing them would be the Mets because that owner is going to pay one more dollar than anybody else offers.
0: Okay, but here's, he can. here's the thing if you're the Mets – and this is where I, where I think you know, Scott Boras's role in this gets really interesting. Um, he's
1: going to the high, highest bidder. We know that.
0: Yes, he, he. But the thing is, Soto.
1: Absolutely. That's why yeah, they leaked but, the fifteen four forty.
0: Yeah, but I mean, but that's that's a decision that doesn't have to be made. He's not going to be traded to the highest bidder right now. That's a decision that has to be made when he's when Absolutely he's a free not, agent. Absolutely not.
1: But when he is a free agent, he's going to the highest bidder. Yeah. But I, I'm go.
0: wondering if you're if you're if you're the Mets. I've got to think in, in, in their heart of hearts, the Mets desperately want to sign Aaron Judge. They desperately want to sign Aaron Judge. I uh, think they
1: want Jacob DeGrom healthy. That's what I think they want. Yeah, I, don't think, I don't think they need Aaron Judge.
0: I think, but, I think with Kevin, the pitching you're, you're that they looking, have this year. No, you're looking yeah, at... Yeah, the Mets are looking at this year. I'm, I'm talking it's about... Not it, long-term. No, I'm not... Right now. Nobody's, tra- I'm saying, nobody's trading for Aaron Judge. I'm saying in the offseason when Aaron Judge oh, is a free agent. Oh, to speak it to the Yankees? Oh, you know, they, they would. And it'd be cheaper there. He's not going to cost them 400 million
1: bucks. It'd be cheaper there. You're, you're talking 280, 250,
0: somewhere in that range. Yeah, I'm sure they would. How come the Padres keep getting named in all these damn lists? Because, and this is, you know, the writers have been putting together lists for a week. And there are guys like Bob Nightingale. That's under Model System. And, 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 and John Heyman, who are wired into Scott Boris's to the Boris Group. And they, when they put together their list, they haven't had the Jays on those lists. They haven't had the Jays on the list. Jays so may not have the horses to get him. That's possible. Well, and I also think the idea too is the the Jays. Gabby Moreno hurt or help his stock coming to the big leagues. Oh, it's not just that. But if if you're the Jays, if the Jays good young players are already in the majors, and you have to ask yourself how much how much pairing away do you do? Is it worth it to lose? Three years of you know, just pick a name. Three years or four years of Bo Bichette for for two years of Juan Soto for three playoff runs with Juan Soto. I mean, I, I think anytime you can get one of the best players in the game, you have to entertain you have to entertain those thoughts. But I just I just get the sense it's almost as if there's too much has to happen in season for the Blue Jays to do that. If it was an off season move, I can see the Jays seriously thinking about it. But man, in season, there's just you got a little less
1: if you're scared by a dog thing. The one you're talking right there, yeah. you know, I don't think you can do that. The American League East is a different animal. You're, you're not trying to win the East. You're trying to make a serious run into the playoffs, and you don't want to limp to the playoffs. And if you can do that by surrounding your team with one of the best, if not the best, left-handed hitter in baseball, that's that's yeah. a that would be a tough thing not to do. It's probably never going to happen, but it's fun to talk about.
0: Uh Dan Shulman is our Blue Jays voice on SportsNet. He'll join us uh in a couple of minutes. Ryan Dempster as well. I I just find yeah, I found that interesting though that that the Jays because and, and every look, every team in baseball, every every radio station and every you, market in baseball, they're talking about Juan Soto. They're talking about the Shohei G- Although Ken Rosenthal says that uh, Shohei Ohtani uh, likely won't be moved. Uh, This last season, I didn't really think it was going to be
1: If you're Rizzo, it's starting with Tiedemann and and Bo Bichette. If you're willing to give up those two names, then the conversation would probably get louder. If you're not willing to give up even one of those, they're going to move on to somebody else, some other team.
0: Just imagining the Padres with Juan Soto. The Padres are just basically going to collect every player out there. He's not. And still he's not, not a player. Be, they're still not. He's not a be, player. And they still won't beat the Dodgers.
1: He does. Uh, he's. It's going to be tougher. Yeah. But do, would they have a better chance of doing it with him or without him? Yeah.
0: Oh, well, he would make. I mean, if they get Fernando Tatis Jr. back, I just. I mean, who the hell knows? It's the Padres. They're aggressive. They got minor leaguers. Um, it's San Diego. Like if you. If you're a a free agent, oh, no and, question. You know, I mean, that's and all things being equal, you're going to be the you're going to get money and your choice is San Diego amongst other places I'd really have to think hard about San Diego like I would that be pretty
1: you're going to go the highest bidder who whoever gives you the
0: biggest dollar it's bringing Dan Shulman, Blue Jays play by play voice on SportsNet Mr. Schulman I want to uh, obviously we have a lot to talk about after that that uh, weekend that I didn't think we'd ever uh, well, I didn't think we'd ever see a 28-5 game. But first of all, uh, you delivered some really, really good news to us Friday. Uh, Buck Martinez back in the booth on Tuesday. Have you had a chance to talk to Buck in the last 24 hours or so? And just how's he you know, How's he feeling? How, how, how's he looking forward to coming back?
2: Not in the last 24 hours, guys. But he is, as soon as uh, as we are finished, uh, I'm running, uh, it's errand morning. I'm running all the errands that haven't been run over the first half of the season. So, uh, as soon as I get home from that in about an hour, I'm going to call him. I know he's in Toronto. Um, and I know how excited he is. We talked about, I don't know if it's four, five, six four five, six days ago, something like that. Um, and it's great news. So he'll be, he'll be there for the homestand. And he's uh, chomping at the bit to get there. And, uh, you know, you guys know as well as I do what the reaction is going to be down at the ballpark from everybody when they see him. Yeah, it's going to be great. Yeah,
1: it's great news. Before we jump into the the Blue Jays, Dan, you, you were closest to Fenway Park. Obviously, you were in it. And what's your feel on what you think the organization for the Red Sox might do come trade deadline?
2: Uh, I, I don't know how you can be a buyer given the way things are going. Like if you're so, let's go back to 2015, and the Blue Jays were a 500 team when Alex Anthopoulos made all of those deals, right? The Price deal and the Tulowitzki deal. But there were some underlying numbers that said, hey, they're better than 500, and there was a feeling they were trending in the po- in a positive direction. Um, I don't know how you do that with the Red Sox. Uh, they've lost. I've lost track of what they've lost. I think it's 9 out of 10. Mm-hmm. And they've gotten, you know, just obliterated in, in in a few of them. They've got three starting pitchers on the IL and Rafael Devers just went on the IL and who knows, it could be 10 days, but who knows? I uh, I don't know how you go in this year if if you're them, especially when you've actually got some decent uh, guys, you could trade who are in the last year of your contracts. Like it's a tough thing to do, but I'll tell you, and I said it a couple times on the air. Walking around the city, being up in the uh, on press row in the, in the on the fifth level in the press box at Fenway, all anybody was talking about, it. and I mean like writers and audio people and the people who work in the media dining area, like everybody, all anybody was talking about was. They got it. They got to blow it up. They got to ban it down. They got to trade this guy. They got to trade that guy. Like that's all anybody was talking about. No, I didn't run into one person who said, "You know, let's see how it goes against Cleveland this week." Nobody said that.
0: Hmm. Yeah, see, I, I mean, Kevin and I have talked about this. If I'm the Red Sox, I the thing I need to do is, is I need to figure out for certain whether or not I can get Xander Bogart signed, and and that's the um. I I just the idea of Xander Bogarts not being with the Red Sox next year I I find it just kind of kind of mind boggling given given what he means to that franchise and given sort of what what his stature is in that city in terms of his involvement in the community and
2: everything. Um, the, the, the tricky thing, Jeff, though, is uh, I'm sorry to jump in here, yeah. like you've almost got to get him signed now. Like you can't. Yes. You know, you could go to Xander Bogarts and say are you willing to stay with us? And he would say, yeah, but I'm going to opt out. And, but you know, then I'll listen to what you have to say. Like the only way, you know, given what Trevor story and Javier Baez got this year, Xander Bogarts is now underpaid. So um, unless they can give him a deal right now, that makes him want to go forgo free agency. I think they're in a tough spot. And, and, You know the other thing there's always been a lot of his defensive metrics are not good Mm -hmm. there's always been a lot of talk about should they move him to third well to move him to third they got to move devers to first right that's a big conversation right Mm -hmm. like we all went through that with vladdy it's even bigger with devers because he's got five six years under his belt in in the in the major league so uh boy that's a that's a lot of that's a lot of uh signatures that have to go on papers and a lot of agreements that have to be made in the next little while i, I think it's i think it's going to be really tough for them
1: dan whenever i watch the blue jays you know i'm not trying to throw charlie on the bus but with john you know running that team it just feels different it looks different uh it just seems like whenever he gives a a sign or he's doing whatever he's doing the players like huh ah he did it must you know, he must feel like it's going to work. We're going to do it. Is that the feel you get? Is this, you know, something they can maintain? You think?
2: Yeah, I I do think there's, there's more buy-in from the clubhouse in a couple of areas. One of them is strategic and I don't want to make too much of the fact that they stole a couple of bases and had a couple of hit and runs. Like they're not, they're not, we're not watching the Cardinals of the eighties or anything like that. Uh, You know, it's a, it's a different game now. Um, but he's you, you know, John Schneider's done has put the hit and run on twice, I think. One of the one of them one of the others was a run and was a run and hit. Different different story, yes. but he put the hit and run on twice. Espinol was the batter both times. That's the guy. Like they're not gonna hit and run with Bo at the plate. They're not gonna hit and run with Teoscar at the plate, right? So but I think Espinall's a perfect guy to do it with and Chapman who's in front of him runs well enough that it's fine. And you trust Espinall to put the ball in play. So I think, you know, that's a specific instance where, yeah, it makes sense. And I think there's buy-in if you started doing it up and down the lineup, I don't think there would be buy-in there. They're they're a little more aggressive stealing bases, which I think is nice. You know, there's a tipping point there where too much is not necessarily better. Um, But, but to me that it's even more than the in game decisions like the manoa situation with uh franchi cardero cordero and uh, bobby dahlbeck like schneider went right over to him and sat down and put his arm around him and we kind of speculated on the air what he was saying but we poked around the next day and we were pretty close and, you know what he was saying was we love the enthusiasm big fella we love the energy but there's got to be, you know, we, there's got to be a line you don't want to cross. You don't want to wake up a sleeping dog over there, and you don't want to say the wrong thing. And Manoa just nodded, nod, nodded, and fist plumped at the end. And, and I think Schneider's got that kind. Of, personally, I think he's got that kind of self-confidence that he can go over any player on that team in in any moment and sit down and share his thoughts with the player. And I think he's got the kind of respect for the players that they. I want to hear what he has to say, whether it's Vladi who grew up with them, whether it's some of the older guys who don't need it as much, or Manila. Um, I, I I do think you, you feel a change, feel a change in the energy around the team as well.
0: Now, what does it say about this team that they could score all those runs? And, you know, yeah, Vladi got some hits, but, uh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't like Vladi put the team in his shoulders and carried them to victory. And Bo is still expanding and, you know, still doing... Doing what what Bo does at times, and yet they still managed to score all the all those runs. Part of it could be the Red Sox pitching wasn't very good, but as part of it also right. that maybe we've we've slept a little bit on guys like Tapia and and Biggio in particular.
2: Um, I, I don't know who he is. but, <laughs> 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 but um, yeah, like I mean, you know, we we've we put some Tapia and Biggio you know, graphics up there recently about how much they've been contributing. And and to me, what it's done, Jeff, is instead of them having nine guys, they have 11 guys. And this allows John Schneider and and whomever else is involved in the conversations to rest a Kirk one day, to rest Springer one day, to DH Vladdy another day, whatever it is they're doing. And I know it makes some people crazy, but the fact that Toppy and Biggio are hitting as well as they are, gives them more flexibility. You know, if a, if a certain guy is a tough matchup for a certain righty the Blue Jays have, sit him out that day. Don't put another lefty in there. Uh, if somebody needs to get out of the oppressive heat, sit him out that day or DH him that day. And put somebody else out there. So, you know, Tapia to me, I, I don't know what you think, Kevin and, and Jeff, when you guys watch him, is wild up there, man. <laughs> I mean, absolutely wild. And, and uh, when he squares up the ball, but he has more of a, he has more hits off Weird looking swings with funny bounces and English that as any guy I've ever seen. But you know, whether whether it looks pretty or not, he's been a legitimate contributor for about two months. Like the first six weeks, he wasn't. He was hurting them. But the last two months he's been helping them. The last two months Biggio's been helping them. You know, Jansen coming back, some power at the bottom of the lineup, Guriel generally in the sixth spot, hitting four hundred over the last six weeks. You know, Matt Chapman quietly is doing much better over the last six or seven weeks. Um, so it, it it is impressive. I I don't know um, how to do this, how to look this up, but if you looked at seven, eight, nine, or six, seven, eight, nine, or anything like that, I bet you the Blue Jays numbers would be the best in baseball. Maybe not one, two, three, but six, seven, eight, nine. I I bet you they've put up the best offensive numbers of any team in baseball this year. Yeah,
0: I find Chapman interesting because. He, I, I would argue, that he's probably the most irreplaceable player on this team defensively. Like he is probably the guy that, if, if he's out of the game, you suffer a massive drop defensively. As good as Santiago Espinal is, and because of that, he, you want him in the lineup as often as possible. He, and and if he can become, and Kevin makes his point. He's, I think, he's kind of hovering around 240 right now. I'm okay with him at 245 with home runs and doubles. You know, I don't need him to hit 250 or even 260 to to be a contributor. And that, to me, is one of the real positive takeaways from from this weekend in particular is that's an everyday guy. And if he's going to keep doing that, I mean, that's, that's a huge, huge advantage for this lineup.
2: Oh, there's no question. And I agree with you. You know, he is the most irreplaceable player defensively. <laughs> Espinal would go over there and do an amazing job, but Chapman is just at another level. And then you'd lose, you'd have a drop off from Espinal to Bisio at second base if you were, if, you know, if Cavan were over there every day. And Cavan is, is fine at second base, but Espinal's gold glove caliber at at second base. So Mm -hmm. it would hurt you in a couple of spots. But um, I'm with you. You know, you know, sometimes we have these conversations and we remind ourselves how old we are where, you know, a typical batting average used to be 260, 270. Now it's 235, 240, 245, right? It's it's just different now. So if he hits 240, he's a productive player. With his power, he will take some walks. And with the extraordinary defense, he's a really, really good player. And, again, over the last seven, whatever it is, six, seven, eight weeks, his production has been really, really good. Like, his, you know, his, however you want to look at it, home runs, OPS, Weighted runs created plus. You want to use the old stuff or the new stuff, whatever it is. He's and he's just kind of blended in there. You know, Gurriel's gotten a lot of attention, and obviously, Vladian and Bo always get a lot of attention. Say, Oscar Hernandez has gotten hot, and Chapman's just kind of quietly, sneakily raising his numbers. And they're getting it, the, and they're really pretty good right now. And and he told me early in the season he's kind of always, even in his his two best years in Oakland. They were both kind of streaky years. One he started well, finished cold. One he started cold, finished well. So maybe this is another one of the start cold, finish strong seasons. And if that's the case, we'll look up at the end of September, and the numbers will be really strong.
0: Danny, we're going to let you run. Thanks so much for doing this, man. If you're uh, talking to Buck today, please uh, say hi to him for absolutely. us, and we will look forward to seeing him at the yard tomorrow. More than he, more than he can imagine. I think would be the yeah, way to Absolutely. Put it.
2: Thanks, man. I Thanks will do lot, that. And I will see you guys tomorrow. Thank you, you, guys.
0: Dan Shulman, Blue Jay's voice on Sportsnet. And, of course, we are all ecstatic to see, to hear that Buck will be back on Tuesday after uh, completing his his treatment. And, uh, right, yeah, last time I said, the last time I talked to Buck, uh, well, just before he was going, he said, well, I'll see you in August.
1: I can't wait to hear his. Close. I can't wait to hear his thoughts on the team. I can't wait to hear his thoughts because on because he's Kirky. watched every pitch. absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> you know the the adjustments that Alex Manoa has made. That's just the conversation that he'll have about the individual players. And you know, Buck brings something. And, like he's bringing. He brings something you can't teach with his experience and the stretch run here. How would he handle certain things? It'll be interesting to get his take on all yeah, that. Yeah,
0: and, and the uh, the the thing too is is. There, they're, Danny Jansen has a lot of supporters in and around this organization. Oh, no, Buck was no one of the. Buck was one of the supporters all along. So it'll be it'll be fascinating to see him. Uh, it'll be great to hear him. It'll be great to see him, but also just kind of getting his sense of uh, of where where Danny's game is in particular. Ryan Dempster is host of Off the Mound. He is also a 2013 World Series champion, analyst for MLB Network Radio. Always a good listen. Always a great guest. Ryan Dempster is next. You're listening to Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan of the Sportsnet Radio Network, watching us in 360. And if you're listening on podcast, wherever you get your favorite podcast. The smartest takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your
2: podcasts.
0: That was a bitter beer face. That thing you just did. No, it it was just because I had to get the copy off the set, because I don't want to give be warming. I don't want to
1: freak warming. People tune in and they see that face, they're like, turn that
0: chair. Oh, this is a face is a face for radio. Only a mother. No, I, I just wanted to I just God, you're. You, you have been an ass today. You really yeah, have. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's even, even by usual Monday. Monday Monday Barker standard, this is this is uh, this has been tough. This has been tough today. You've tough been, on who? You or yeah, me? Your
1: dauber's down. I don't even know what that is. I don't know if that means I have to sit with you for two hours. Yeah, that's what I did.
0: You know, because of that, I'm going to ask you <laughs>
1: no, the question not. that I told well, I you, I you I wouldn't ask you on answer.
0: Barker's back leg well, bits. Won't, I I'm going to ask you the question now because of what you just did, and you're uh, going to have to answer it. Uh, DMs are still open, by the way, for Barker's back leg bits. That's the, where you get to ask Barker questions, and, I, and, and we've got and you
1: interrupt me and
0: and take I cover the segment and, and I provide simultaneous <laughs> translation for those of you who don't speak Virginian. Uh, or West Virginia. Well, if you don't, you should. West Virginia. No, it's Virginia. Watch your mouth. Sorry. Ryan Dempster is host of Off the Mound, is a uh, 2013 World Series champion, joins us on Blair and Barker. Mr. Dempster, thank you for joining us as always. We appreciate your time. Uh, what the hell's going on in Boston? What
3: would happen? Did I miss something? <laughs> <laughs>
0: nope. Nah, 28-5, just the usual, uh. usual Red Sox stuff. <laughs> loss to the Blue Jays. Sky's falling. Sky's
3: falling. Were the Argonauts Argonauts slightly jealous of that offensive output?
0: (laughs) They absolutely were. If you've seen the Argonauts play, 28 points is a good, yeah, that's not happening every day.
3: Uh, Yeah, I I think, you know, hey, listen, you know, I know the the Red Sox had a really great month in June and um, stuff like that, but, you know, you also look at the schedule and who they were beating, and that's great, right? You're supposed to beat the teams you're supposed to beat. Um, but at the end of the day when you know, things are things are cyclical and you can have a good month. That's not what a season's about. It's about having a you know, a good six months and then you run into a buzzsaw like the, the blue jays fresh out of the break. Um, you know, think, things happen like that and then you gotta try and get some consistency. They just don't they just haven't had that this year for any extended period of time.
1: Well, what's your gut feeling? Any chance they trade Bogart?
3: Um yeah. I mean, is there a possibility for sure? I think I think what we see out of teams so much more now is this evaluation of like, listen, if you want to be here, try to assign the extension, you're gonna test free agency. We can't wait around for that if we have something where we feel like we can load up on position wise, um, you know, and they're managing payrolls and figuring out who's all making what. I think it's hard when you go sit there and sign both him and Devers, but you're talking about a, a huge market team. So You know, I think there is a possibility that, you know, that could happen. But, you know, probable, I don't think so. Possible, yeah.
0: Do you think the fact that the Red Sox, everybody talks about sort of breaking the curse of the Bambino and everything, but the Red Sox have also won World Series since they broke that curse. And in in a couple of instances... One in particular, it was, kind of, it was kind of a surprise World Series. I mean, I think Dan Sha- Shaughnessy at one point, the team that won the World Series, I think he called them maybe the worst Red Sox team he in, in, in quite some time in spring training and went on to win the World Series. Does that, do you think, maybe buy, make it a little easier for Heim Bloom and for the front office to, to, to make a move because Red Sox fans do have long memories and they do know that this franchise in the past has... You know, it's 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 kind of stepped up and surprised and put together one of those World
3: Series titles you don't always see. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, just sit there and break a curse, and now have won three more since then, since 2004. It, you know, three three World Series, four World Series championships in 16 years is is yeah. pretty impressive. You know, so so yeah, I, I think there's not this uh, this necessity, this need to like sell out everything to win a world series because you've accomplished that. And you got, you know, good young players coming up and you got, you're managing also, you know, an upper echelon market team. So your, your, your pyramid of how you're managing those contracts and what those are going to look like over the course of arbitration and free agency and, you know, elite star players that you have on your team, guys coming off the books, it's a lot, right. But there's not this like pressure that there was before. And so I think you're always looking at what's the best, for our organization, and um, but but in the same sense, they've become accustomed to winning now in Boston. It's and and so that becomes a thing that you have to be held accountable for as a front office, um, but most importantly as a team. That there's an expectation, and if we're not going to perform, maybe that means we go in a little bit different direction and change the personnel so that 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 helps us win ball games. And and I I think that you know they're quite capable of being in the position to trade guys or sign guys. You know, they could trade Xander Bogarts and then go out and sign, you know, a big name free agent, Trey Turner. Who knows? They could do that as well. So there's all kinds of possibilities.
1: Dave, you've been on some, some really good teams. And I don't know if you've been on a team where the manager's gotten fired because of expectations. You're not living up to them. But that's what happened here with the Blue Jays, obviously. How much do you think that can help a locker room to uh, however many ways you want to say it? You know, expectations saying enough's enough. Like, it, can that help? Is that a big deal or we overstate that?
3: No, I, I, think it, I think it can because, Kev, like, you know, man, like sometimes for whatever the reason, really good people become – we forget about that. Like we lose touch with the person and we, and we all of a sudden now get a lot of animosity, right? It happens in marriages. It happens in relationships. And that happens in a clubhouse between a manager and the players. And maybe it's not even animosity. Maybe it's just like, I don't want to hear what that guy has to say anymore. And that's one guy on the team. And then it's another guy on the team. And then the team's not playing well. And then there just becomes this constant conflict that becomes unhealthy. And, and it's unfortunate because, you know, a couple of years before that, you're like, this is a great move. Hey, man, I remember we were hanging out and off days we were golfing together and all of a sudden we're not getting along. And it's like, what happened? There's a disconnect here. And in sports, when there's a disconnect between managers and players, coaches and players, more often than not, 99 times out of 100, guess who's losing their job? Not the player. So, you know, and that that's what happens. And, and then maybe a fresh change, a fresh voice, something happens. And all of a sudden, you know, that happened with us in Chicago with Lou Piniella. Lou was going through a lot of stuff away from the field. His mom was sick. He was not engaging with us. It was a tough time for him. He left. Um, and Mike Quaddy took over, and we, we went on a boat race, you know. And and I think you know that, that kind of stuff, a fresh voice, a, a guy who's been listening to everything that's been going on behind the scenes and understands what the players are frustrated with, now all of a sudden can come in and be like, all right, you guys wanted this, you wanted this, go and do that, but you better go out and perform. And, and that's, I think, what you see happening.
0: I'm wondering, Ryan, we saw uh, Alec Manoa on Saturday uh, get into it with a couple of Red Sox uh, players after Loved it. after striking him out. Yeah, <laughs> and, you know, and his manager, and he got in the dugout and everything, John Schneider put his arm around him and, you know, and, and – they had the fist bump at the end and everything, and and but it, but it was kind of a reminder. I thought that uh, to a lot of people that Alec Manoa is still very much a work in progress, right? Like Barker talks about, still doesn't really sure. have that quality change. Like there's stuff about his game, he's great, but there's stuff about his game that still needs to uh, that, that that still needs to develop a bit. As a guy, was a, a, a pretty good competitor, Ryan. What, uh, where is that line for you? between being aggressive and being bold and this is my mound and I don't care whether you're in, we're in your park or my park game, doesn't start till I throw the ball, that good stuff. Where's the fine line between that and
3: showing up the other team? Yeah, I think once, you know, showing up the other team from a pitcher standpoint, I think that's hilarious when 99 times out of a hundred, it's the hitter that's showing up the pitcher. But, um, you know, Alex, has showed it and he listen he's coming off of fresh off of an all-star game punches out the side he's mic'd up we glorified that till the end of the moon which rightfully so it was so entertaining to listen to him talk about all that but so when you're a young guy and everybody's telling you how great all these things do and then you get out there in the heat of the moment a guy took you deep and now he's staring down of course he's gonna say that that's part of who he is you know he wears his emotions on his sleeves this isn't just you know, a uh, uh, life slated incident. He's passionate out there. That's why we love watching him pitch because he's got that about him. And he's got the stuff, but the game will humble you. He's going to have bad outings. He's going to get rocked. He's going to go through that. And he does have to continue to develop just because you pitch one year in the big leagues or half a season or 2 se- hey, C a let's, let's focus on a career and you're going to have those up and down moments. But in what he did in that moment, I don't have any problem with that. Like if you want to like, go ahead and chirp, cool, then go ahead and hit me. Guess what? I won the game. I gave up one run, it was your long solo homer and you lost and, and life, you know, that's his right. And he just, he's the guy that wears it out there, but he also backs it up. And until he has those failures, be who you are, but don't be somebody different now when times are going tough. You know, that's the thing. You can't change. seven knows that more than anybody. When you be who you are all the time, not just when you're going good, because when you're going good and you do that, Guys love you, and then when you're going bad and you change or things are going rough and you change, people are like, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? So be the same guy, and I feel I have a feeling I don't know him. I have a feeling that Alex is that same guy. Perfect
1: segue. You said be who you are. Uh, David Ortiz, Hall of Famer now. Rank him as hitters that you've seen. How good is he, or how good was he?
3: Yeah, I mean, top five that, I, that I've seen as far as just pure hitters and, and, and just how studious he was to – his approach to facing guys. I mean, you know, the video work that he would put in that started early in the day, in between innings, you know, looking at what the pitcher was throwing, talking to young guys in the batting cage, teaching them about hitting. You know, he knew how to go about setting up guys, you know, and and, and it was just incredible. When he sat on a pitch and he got that pitch, he was not going to miss that pitch. It was like that, to me, that's, that's an all-star, that's a Hall of Famer. You know, that's the difference. A lot of guys can sit on a fastball and get it and then foul it off. A lot of guys can sit on a breaking ball, get it, and maybe loop in a single or hit a ground ball to somebody. Oh, I just missed that. David Ortiz, when he sat on a pitch or he was waiting for a certain pitch in a certain zone and he got it, he did not miss that pitch ever. And it was was fun to be around him. He was a great teammate. and, And arguably, I mean, for me, any guy I ever played with, the best clutch hitter or pure clutch hitter I ever played with, hands down. Wow.
0: I was going to say, having been able to cover those World Series and those postseasons, uh, you know, we, people kind of have an argument about what is clutch and what isn't clutch. All I know is when David Ortiz came to the plate in the postseason, I expected something to happen. Like, I really, I, I, I expected it didn't matter whatever inning it was. I just expected something something to happen. And uh, I, I got to tell you, you know, from a, like from a spectator's point of view, the other thing, he was just so much fun to watch. I mean, he was everything he did. Everything about being Big Poppy was cool.
3: Yeah, it, he really was. And like, you know, you hear all these stories and uh, about a human being, right? When somebody's a great human being or this way, he—I'd be hard pressed. I feel like I'm a good dude. I'm not as good a dude as David Ortiz is. Mm. Like the stuff he would do with kids, the ballpark, and and families and fans that came you know somebody was going through a tough time with their health he treated them like you know like they were his brother or their sister or mother or father he was just so kind and gracious you know our playoff run uh through the through the world series after each round so when we beat tampa and go to the world series david ortiz has a party at his house Hmm. and we beat and we beat Detroit to go to the World Series, he has a bigger party at his house. Mm-hmm. And the whole joke was like, we win the World Series, do we get hot air balloon rides? Like <laughs> it, was just, it was bigger and bigger and it was like and it was like, "Hey, I got my family with me." And he's like, "Bring 'em." Like it didn't matter. His love for people, his love for the game, you know, we talked about it earlier in this in this conversation. Humbling, right? You get humbled. Yep. David Ortiz got humbled early in his career, you know, with the Minnesota Twins and then all of a sudden goes to Boston. And he never forgot that. And, and, you know, he was the kind of guy who just, like, if you were going through that tough time, even as a starting pitcher, he was there like, hey, man, we're going to be all right. Like, we all go through tough times. Tough times don't last. Tough people, people do. And he just, man, I was so happy for him yesterday. You know, he looked so great up there. His speech was fabulous, and he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I'm, I'm just so fired up for him.
0: Ryan, really good of you to join us today. Thanks great so much, stuff. man. Good stuff. Thank
3: you. Always, guys. Great to be with you. All Take you care. care. It's
0: Ryan Dempster. Uh, host of Off the Mound, <clears throat> 2013 World Series champion, and uh, yeah, I mean David Ortiz's postseason news conferences <clears throat> were epic, I'd, and it was. Um, there, there was one game, and he came in and sat down, and and this is when, <clears throat> the World Series news conferences, at Fenway Park, the interview room interview room was w- really small, so it would fill up, and then they'd pipe it throughout. The stadium so if you were in the in the press box you could hear it and they carried it live on tv david ortiz sat down and just says hey what's up bitches and it just went right and and it was great because uh, uh the, the 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 lady from i can't remember her name from the commissioner's office um boy i'm drawing a blank long time pr person for the commissioner's office was just like she just was just flabbergasted, you know. And uh they kind of instituted the David Ortiz rule where they delayed the uh they, they put a little <laughs> bit of a delay in. Uh. But Ortiz I and he would do this thing. There was uh you know, there there's a, a couple of longtime Boston writers. And he would, there would always be back and forth with them. You know, there was one talk one time, the writers were complaining about uh, because the game went too late, they weren't going to be able to make the flights in the next city. He goes, oh, it's okay, man. I'll pay for all your tickets. He said, as a matter of fact, maybe I'll get you on the charter. Where's John Henry? Like he just, he had this way of really putting people at ease. And you really saw that when you went into the Red Sox clubhouse during the postseason, because there was always... There was a tension, right, around the Red Sox. And and that clubhouse at at Fenway Park is just so small. And, and, you know, you got a 100. It's a huge media contingent. Everybody's in the clubhouse, and you can't move anywhere. And people are bouncing into each other, you know. And you had Jonathan Papelbon. I mean, you had all these personalities. And kind of the two areas of comfort. Where Jason Veritek, you could talk, you could stand in front of Jason Veritek's locker and talk because Jason Veritek is just, and David Ortiz is the other guy. And David Ortiz always had a way of, uh, of, of just, if it was a bad game, if they lost, he always had a way of bringing the, the temperature down in the clubhouse. And I remember Terry Francona talking about that, how you just, you need that guy because everything is so dramatic in Boston when it comes to baseball, right? He created chaos for the opposing manager. He did. He created chaos. No but, question. But, but it was weird, and that's a great point. It was the exact opposite with his teammates. He created chaos for the other team. He was like this, this, this island of calm in this clubhouse, and he always had the way of disarming the situation. So, yeah, I mean, I again, clutch week. and can have a debate about clutch and statistics and analytics and all that. David Ortiz came to the plate. I expected something to happen in the postseason. You know what time it is, by the way. It's time for Barker's back leg bits.
3: I don't know who he was praying to. but he Barker's like, get up, get out of here. And the guy's right at the fence. Like, I got this one, you know. <laughs> the umpires would throw the balls out. Like, hey, Barker's up. Bring in the six balls. We need the dead ones. Bring in the dead ones.
0: <laughs> Bring in the Barker balls.
3: Uh, Adam Keen wants
0: to know why there isn't an East Virginia. Okay, he also wants to know if – he also wants to know, well, there is a Virginia in a West Virginia. Why isn't there an East Virginia? It, it, it is a great point. It is a great point. Anyhow, uh, he really wants to know, uh, talking about John Schneider and his ability to sell players on things and talking about how there's going to be some shortstops available. You know where this is going. There's going to be some shortstops available uh, in the offseason. Could he see – uh, John Schneider ever convincing Bo to move over to second base? No,
1: that's an organizational thing. That would have nothing to do with Schneider. I, I I'm in the camp. I, I don't think, I don't think he sold the team anything. Okay, it just sounds. It sounds to me like the relationship between Charlie and his players
0: is not great. It deteriorated. It, it,
1: it, it, it was coming yeah. to an end. It had yeah. nothing. No, and they were just happy that. I mean, I hate to say it this way, and I'm and just from what I've heard and the way they've talked it just sounds like they're happy that that situation's over and now you move on. And it's they're happy that a guy's in that chair that has seen them go through hard times. Mm. How's that?
0: KJ wants to know, as a player, what are you feeling like standing out on the field down by 20 runs? Do you check out of the game after 12 runs or so? Okay, It's Kevin and is asking the question about... Obviously, referring to the twenty-eight-five game, Uh, I don't. I don't. I'm sure you've been in games where teams are being hammered. I
1: I have. I don't think I've ever lost a game by twenty runs, but I've lost a game by fifteen runs most of the time because I was an everyday player, and my manager would have taken me out of the game already, Mm -hmm. so I didn't have to stand out there as much as guys that didn't play every single day, and that's a good time to. Get your, your bench guys in there. Now, if I was in the big leagues and we were getting our butts kicked, I was the guy that would be standing out there yeah. because I was an everyday player. Yeah. So the roles reversed. It's a little easier when your paychecks are bigger and, you know, it's cooler even though it's hotter in the big leagues. Right, right, so that's, right. So that, that is true. I just think, you know, I think it's a, it's an individual thing. Different guys handle that in different
0: ways. Especially now, you were first baseman, so you're, you're, you're standing at first base where stuff can happen quickly at first base, and you've got a pitcher out there who's scuffling and giving up run after run after run. How hard is it to stay in the game mentally, regardless of the level, regardless of whether it's majors or minor leagues or, hell, college ball? I like to think I took pride in my, in my
1: game that I would stay in most games. You know, I, I'm sure I've tapped out of... Some games in in winter ball or or some other games that but I like to think that I you know you you try and stay in every single game. you owe it to your teammate, even if you are getting your butt kicked to stay in it and make the place you're supposed to make uh, Max
0: Santandrea, I like this question, wants to talk up to you about the jays approach at the plate, and his, his you know he talks about how everybody talks about going to the opposite field, et cetera et cetera he says. Are there guys in this team, are there some guys in this team that just need to turn on a fastball more often? You know, you that thing, every now and then, just turn on a fastball. Forget the trying to stay to the big part of the field and yada, yada, just turn on a fastball.
1: Well, you'd like to say that, but the way, because they're very right-handed dominant, the way they be pitched by right-handed pitchers is away with hard stuff and away with a slider or a, a breaking ball. So it is very hard unless you're moving in the box to think I want to think left side of second base. Mm-hmm. So that's why they're saying up the middle, the other way. The other way is not to right field. The other way could be right center, right? It's because of uh, – of- velocity now you it's very hard to think up the middle the other way because if you do that a lot of guys don't have enough bat speed they're hitting that ball foul now you would more set your sights of left center field now that just gets the point of contact where you want it to be and because you have that good approach of up the middle doesn't have to be the right center field it could be left center field and now you're keeping that ball fair you're hitting it where you want to hit it and you're hitting it hard which is the main part of that so you know, it's, again, it's, it's hit it where it's pitched. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. And a lot of guys can't do that. A lot of guys have to have the approach. Matt Chapman's in that mix of where he's a better hitter because it adds length to his swing. It's not the alligator thing where the barrel's in, it's out. In, out. In and out. He's out, and then he gets the little pop-ups. He has to tell his self, think right center. That adds length to his swing, and that allows him to have a better
0: foundation, which allows him to hit the ball harder. I was thinking about something Ryan Dempster said. Would you go on a hot hot air balloon ride with David Ortiz? Absolutely not. Yeah, me neither.
1: I don't care how much money he's got. Tell me, take pictures.
0: Tell me how it went. Yeah. That is it for us today. Remember, the Jays have today off. They open a two-game series against us. I I feel silly calling it a two-game series. They've got two games against the St. Louis Cardinals. Tuesday and Wednesday, no Nolan Arenado, no Paul Goldschmidt because of the vaccine uh, border restrictions between Canada and the United States. Of course, it's on both sides of the border. Anyhow, we'll get you set for that series tomorrow. Take a deeper dive into that situation. Monitor the trade market, Juan Soto, all that good stuff. Maybe even talk about Yusei Kikuchi. Just because. Thanks for listening been Blair and Barker on SportsNet 590 the fan the SportsNet Radio Network SportsNet 360 and wherever you get your favorite podcast